Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We're studying the Bible. The reason for studying the Bible is not just to be smarter about the Bible, but to know God, to know God better, to know what God has told us, because he's given us these instructions so we can know him more fully, so we can follow him and represent him to a lost world around us. We're working our way through 1 John, and today we're looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, and this is episode 35. Well, let's read the passage together. 1 John chapter 4, 11 through 13. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. Well, John's continuing his uh, theme of loving one another. He uh, says, dear friends, he said that several times. He's uh, speaking in, uh, in relational terms. He's not just saying, I, John the Apostle, and commanding you, but he's speaking to them as people he cares about because he does. And he calls them dear friends says, if God loved us in this way, well, what do you mean this way? Well, back in verse 9, he said, God's love was revealed among us in this way. That is, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Then he went on to describe that love, that God's love for us is the supreme example of love for others and resulting in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, where Jesus died on a cross for our sins so that we could experience forgiveness of sin and reconciliation with God. That is this way. So if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. Now he's been given love one another as a command. Love one another. That's the end of it. Love one another. Do it. And if you don't do it, then you might not be a follower of Christ. Here, the must does sound somewhat like a command. Most Bibles translate this word as ought. And it does carry that that sense of it. So I think here he's not just saying it's just a command, because he's already given it as a command. But if we really think more on the terms of ought, I think the, the... the sense he's trying to get across here is if we had any comprehension of the magnitude of God's love for us, then there would be an inner motivation for us to love one another. Or you could ask the question, how could you not love one another? If you had a clue of how big a deal God's love for us is, that Christ died on a cross for us while we were still enemies of God, if we had any kind of glimpse of the magnitude of that, how could we not love one another? We ought to love one another if we really understood that. So he's given it both ways. He's given it as a command, love one another, and that's a command from God. But he's also saying, and if you had any clue what God's love for us really looked like, how could you not love one another. So love one another. It's a theme. It's it's huge throughout John's letter that we must love one another. 
How could we not love one another? And in verse 12, he says, No one has ever seen God. Now, it seems like an odd place to put this. How, how does this fit? And, and what does he mean, no one has ever seen God? Well, we see other statements similar to this in the New Testament. If we look back in the Gospel of John, in John 1.18, John says, No one has ever seen God. Then he goes on to say, The one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, has revealed him. So no one's ever seen God, but God has been revealed. But later, in uh, John 14, Philip asks, he says, Jesus, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus responds, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So how do we put these things together? No one's ever seen God. We see that in 1 John. We also see it in the Gospel of John. But then Jesus says, well, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So which way is it? Well, there's two words for seen here, and we have to make sure we don't confuse the two. We have one word for seen. In John 1.18, where it says, no one has seen God, the Greek word here is horeo, and it's a different word that's here in 1 John, 1 John 4.12 where he says no one has ever seen God. It's the, the Greek word theaomai. That's where we get the, the English word theater. And the word there means to see with scrutiny. So where other, the other scene, horeo, just you've seen. You've seen enough to understand, but, but the, the theaomai means to see with Scrutiny, And that's what John's saying here. No one has ever seen God with that kind of scrutiny to really observe in depth the glory of God. Now, both these words are actually used in, back in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1. Well, John 1.18 says, no one has seen God, but Jesus Christ has revealed him. Well, earlier in John 1.14, John tells us the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. That is, we theaomai, his glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Seen. He's saying, we have seen that with scrutiny, Jesus, and that's why we know he's from the Father. We saw Jesus up close. We saw Jesus on a personal basis for a long period of time. We saw the glory of Jesus. We have seen Jesus in detail. But here in 1 John, he's saying, but no one's seen God that way. No one has seen God in that kind of detail. But God has been revealed. John 1.18 says, you know, no one's seen God, but he has been revealed through the Son. So God has revealed himself. God's revealed himself through nature. God's revealed himself through his works. God's revealed himself in pretty fine detail through Jesus Christ. God's revealed himself through his word. And I think the point that John's making here is, and God has revealed himself through his people, specifically through the love we have for one another. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, I give you this new command to love one another. By this, people will know that you're my followers. And so one of the ways God reveals himself is through the relationships of God's people, that God's people love one another. 
So, verse 12, no one's ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now, that word remains, that's that word abide. God abides in us, and his love is made complete in us. So, it's God's design that we love one another. It's God's command that we love one another. And we're not able to do that on our own. John's already made that clear. We can only do that through God abiding in us. Through the Holy Spirit is the only way that we really can love one another. But if we do it, then his love is made complete in us. Now, this made complete, some Bibles, uh, a lot of Bibles say perfected. And so it's not our love is being perfected, though. It's his love. So this isn't a matter that our love is being amplified. Our love is being made better. Our love is being anything here. It's his love because God's love, God is the source of all love. And the only way we can love one another is through the empowerment of God. So if we really do this, it's God's love that's being perfected in us. And that is revealing God to the world around us. Now, verse 13, he says, This is how we know that we remain in him, and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. Again, he uses this phrase, this is how we know. He's used this several times already. Back in, in chapter 2, verse 3, he said, This is how we know that we know him, by keeping his commands. Chapter 2, verse 5, he said, this is how we know that we are in him. Keep his word. Chapter 3, verse 16. This is how we have come to know him. By the fact that Jesus laid down his life for us. Chapter 3, verse 19. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth. Based on God's promises. Chapter 4, verse 2. This is how we know the spirit of God. He confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Chapter 4, verse 6, this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception, the fact that we are from God. And now here, this is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. We already touched on these earlier back in chapter 2. The, this is how we know that we remain in him and him in us is because we do what he told us to do. We keep his word. We keep his commands. Now here he adds to that. He's given us his spirit. How do we know these things? Well, there's an external evidence. We know we're followers of Christ because we're following Christ. But then there's an internal evidence, that is, of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we belong to God? How do we know that we really are followers of Christ? If we are, then we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us an internal assurance that we're followers of Christ. I like the way the New Living Translation words this. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. So God's revealed himself. He's revealed himself to the world through his acts of creation, through his works, through time, through Jesus Christ on the cross, through the testimony of his people, through his word. But he's also given us assurance to us. That's not to the world. The Holy Spirit is an assurance to us that we are in him and he is 
in us. That's a wonderful thing. We really think about all these things. What God's love really looks like, that should motivate us to love one another. And we have that assurance that God loves us, that assurance that God is in us and that we are in God because of the Holy Spirit. This is a really wonderful assurance, a wonderful thing. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working our way through 1 John.